The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, Episode 7. General West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous, but this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. Joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. How's it going, Jack? Very well. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. Hey. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. All right. Today we are discussing the seventh episode of the first season of Stargate SG-1 called Cold Lazarus. Uh, Before I get into this, I do want to give kind of a content warning. Um, some of the themes this episode deals with includes um, like the death of a child and things like that, which could be difficult for some viewers. Um, so just a heads up if that's something you're sensitive to. Um, in this episode, we get the first planet that does not look like British Columbia. Instead, it looks like a bunch of popcorn. Um, they're on this <laughs> yellow desert planet, and they find these piles of blue broken crystals. They're all looking around at them, and Jack O'Neill wanders off alone. He touches one of the crystals and gets blasted backwards with some kind of energy. Then a duplicate of himself is, returns to Earth with the team. He goes and he speaks to his estranged wife about the death of their child. Meanwhile, the rest of the team is wondering what is going on with him. The real Jack O'Neill comes back through the portal. They put him in prison. Eventually, they discover what is going on. They find the duplicate of Jack O'Neill and they end up helping the aliens return to the planet. I, I'm going to agree with you, Father. Uh, we were talking about this before we started, but I like this episode a lot more than the previous two that we watched. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we had, we had some pretty stinker episodes that we, you know, like, again, you know, like we talked talked about back then, it's like, can you imagine you're watching this show for the first time, is freshly aired, and you have, you know, broke a divide, and it's just like, oh, I'm sorry. But no, this, this, is, this is an episode I enjoyed. I've always kind of enjoyed it. There's, I mean, there'll be things we'll talk about here that, that are uh, a little questionable, but as a whole, I've always kind of enjoyed this episode. Although I know that's not unanimous on the panel. <laughs> no, it's not. My, my opinion is very different. I found this to be a very dull, plotting, mindless episode which unfolds very slowly <laughs> and nothing happens for 25 minutes. It's it's like a bad Lifetime movie of the week. Every time Crystal Jack comes around a corner, they play this tension or this horror <laughs> sting. It's like, oh, no, what's the bad man going to do? You know, and it's it's very, you know, of the late 90s. It gets it gets better towards the end. But um Plus, I have I have a problem with the way, you know, the crystal therapist, you know, works and stuff. <laughs> I've, so, yeah. So but there there are some good there are some good moments in it. I'm confused by the title and I went, you know, I started Googling this. Is this like a song or is this like a poem or something? Where does this phrase originate? 
And the only thing I could find was a year before this episode was released, the BBC released a Dennis Potter play that he wrote while he had terminal cancer, I believe. And it's a play where Albert Finney plays a man who is cryogenically frozen and his head is unfrozen uh, in the future. And um, as he contemplates his death, you know, the the people of the future um, live vicariously through his memories. So that's really only the connection I could find. But it's still very strange that a year after this you know, play came out on the BBC, they, you know, give one of their Stargate episode titles. Uh, but they the Stargate episode titles often, you know, there's usually a Star Trek episode with that same title or, hmm. you know, something. So they're not always the, the most creative with their titles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what were your initial thoughts, Lisa? Actually, I like this episode. Seen it many times. I think it uh, held up well over the couple of decades, and I think it is giving us a taste of what Stargate does well. In that it's a sci-fi show with lots of action and adventure, but they don't shy away from developing their characters mm-hmm. and giving us a little bit of emotional um, a punch. You know, it makes you think about things. It makes you have empathy or sympathy for the main character. So mm-hmm. I think it's just giving us a little taste of what they do so well later on. Right. So they're on this planet and there's these strange crystals. And throughout the show, um, we end up discovering that the crystals are actually sentient beings that have been destroyed by the gold thousands of years ago. And the reason that they attacked and inhabited Jack O'Neill was because they they look just like the gold, according to them. So they were just defending themselves. But they did. I I like how they did that where they made the aliens very alien. And a lot of the plotting from the show comes from the fact that the aliens are trying to understand human psychology. And so the alien inhabits Jack O'Neill, sees all his memories, and sees that he is very broken inside. And the reason is because his son, Charlie, um, had died a couple of years previous, which is covered both in the movie and then in the the start of the show in Children of the Gods. So the crystal, I, I was going to say crystal and entity, but that's something different. Um, <laughs> the crystal version of Jack O'Neill goes back to his wife, Sarah, and that was really the best part of the episode, I thought, was him dealing with the grief from losing his son and how they how they worked through that. There's some stuff at the end that I didn't really like how they handled that, but I thought that the way they were walking through that was interesting. And Emily, one of the things I do like about it is we we get to more get to know more about how this affected Jack. Now, of course, go all the way back to the movie and he was basically suicidal. I mean, he he volunteered for a suicide mission willingly at that moment. And we get to find out more of kind of where he was at and the fact that he basically you know, shut himself off from the world. We didn't quite get that impression. At least I didn't, you know, from Children of the Gods that when he when they came back to pull him back to the Stargate mission, the reason why he was sitting there looking at the stars is because he had shut himself off from the world. But then we kind of hear more um, that, yeah, that's actually what he did. He came back from Abydos that first time and basically, I'm done. I'm out of here. I don't want to see another person. You know, I'm just going to go live my life as best I can. Until he goes to the wormhole meets some aliens, they scan his mind, read his memories, help him process his grief, ask him, why do you exist here? Oh, no, wait, that's the uh, premiere of Deep Space Nine. (laughs) (laughs) No, so there's definitely parallels to, you know, the the first uh, couple of episodes of Deep Space Nine. I don't know if that's uh, conscious or not, but um, 
Yeah. So I don't, it's 1997 and there's not a single crystal, uh, crystal method joke in there just mm. uh, for, for techno fans, but <laughs> Uh, no, I, I I do think Harley uh, Harley Jane Kozak uh, was very good in this role, and they they definitely should have brought her back a, a lot more uh, in in that role. Mm-hmm. That is that is one of the complaints I have about this though is is you know this would have been the perfect opportunity for her to be a support for Jack and to have you know you know have the their relationship mended. No, not really. Right, that was my biggest problem with it is that they set it up like they're going to get back together but then and of course i've not seen the rest of the show so i don't know if that happens but just based on how this played out it did not seem like they were leading up to that about it the alien and sarah dealt with grief and dealt with their relationship but jack and sarah did not so that is kind of left hanging in a way but at least it it gives mm-hmm. us the viewer a little resolution as to kind of the, the deeper what's going on with Jack. Cause we all right. are kind of like Carter, you know, where she says, I didn't even know he had a kid and he never tells you anything. And he's just, you know, so it kind of, it, it was a way to live out his character of being that, you know, I'm not talking about my feelings, but to give us the viewer kind of that introspective of what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could have been a, so it is kind of like um, a Starman situation, the old Jeff Bridges movie. (laughs) But yeah. And I also thought it was very strange how, so Sarah does not know anything about the Stargate because it is a classified program and Crystal Jack comes and starts talking about the Stargate. So she gets an idea of what's going on and eventually he starts breaking down because he's not supposed to exist in a physical form and he needs to go back to the popcorn planet. I don't remember the PX number for it, so I'm just going to call it the Popcorn Planet. And through that, he ends up, Jack O'Neill, the real Jack O'Neill ends up talking to Crystal Jack O'Neill. And then Crystal Jack O'Neill turns into a version of their son, who he then brings out to Sarah as like a sense of closure. But for me, that was like, that is probably the most traumatic thing you could do to that woman. Is is Sarah O'Neill still here? I want to, I want to actually completely break her, you know, seeing me impersonating her ex-husband wasn't enough. I want to wear her, her dead son's skin and yeah. Right. Completely break her emotionally. Yeah. That's funny though. I, I read some stuff online and some people thought it was, good that it was such a great closure that she knew it wasn't her son but she was able to say goodbye to him and you know get jack holding his hand me as a parent i'm watching it i mean i wasn't a parent when it first aired and i am now and yeah i mean i can't even fathom right what that would be like that would tear you up right i mean i think i wrote down on here it was was terrifying so no but I, i did see people online said that they really liked it Right. I don't know. Maybe the yeah, and I have yeah, I have a I have a young son and so a lot of what was hard to watch about this episode was just those themes that it dealt with. Like that was difficult mm-hmm. for me to watch at parts. Mm-hmm. And but that part was just like that was horrifying. <laughs> there are some things I, I I did like um in Charlie's room and they they don't remark on this at all. It's just kind of a visual Easter egg while Crystal Jack is is talking and it's way behind him on the wall completely out of focus. But you can just make out it's a poster that says crystals on it while Crystal Jack is talking to uh, to yeah. Wally Dalton. Nice. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice little uh, Easter egg. One. I was going to say, speaking of, of Charlie's room, of course, if we go back to the movie, it, there is a plaque or a certificate for Tyler O'Neill mm-hmm. with one L in that room. 
And of course, this is where people have headcanon. Well, his name is Tyler, but is like Tyler Charles O'Neill or something like that. And they just called him Charlie or, but yeah, this is one of those things that did change where it was Tyler in the movie, at least again, in the certificate where it's Charlie here. And that, that's right. what it is from, from here on. So whenever this, this uh, character returns and he does return in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I also have an issue with how poor Jack's gun safety is. Like you're you're a trained soldier, you should know how to keep that stuff locked up. Well, let's be honest. I don't think a lot of people keep their guns locked up like they should, and it includes trained soldiers. It happens, unfortunately. Right. You know, they they just you know whether they don't have gun safes or they think they're safe because they're up on the top shelf underneath the blankets and and mm-hmm. no, that's not where my guns are. So you don't go look in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so this, the kind of the B plot to this episode is Samantha Carter and Daniel Jackson and Teal trying to figure out what's going on. And that was, that was a lot of fun seeing them mm-hmm. work through that without yeah. Jack O'Neill as kind of the central character because he's such a dominating personality. Whenever he's in the room, he's kind of like the focus. I did like that. I, I liked all that. I liked the, them interacting with the crystals and figuring out what was going on. I thought oh, it was interacting. They they murder a crystal. Oh, they didn't know with a staff with a staff with a staff <laughs> weapon, and then they don't they don't tell the crystal entity. Oh, sorry, we killed your mom. You know, it's like oh, help me. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Those ghouls, they're sure bad. They they shot you with staff weapons. Gosh, uh, we would never do anything was, like that. No, it was already a, a broken one. It wasn't like they were taking one that was complete and blasting them. it. Yeah, yeah. S- sorry, we shot the your dead mom. I mean, oh well, but yeah. <laughs> there is a, a good line about you know uh, getting permission to to fire the oh, yeah. staff uh, weapon in the oh, oh yeah. That was awesome. yeah yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely sure <laughs> yeah. yeah I did find it un- unbelievable that uh, Daniel Jackson didn't know what EM was they had to explain that to him well and of course that's the old we're going to explain to the audience who might not know what mm-hmm. electromagnetism is by explaining to one of the characters right. who should know but doesn't right. yeah. One of my favorite scenes is when uh, Daniel and Sam Carter run into Teal'c's room, right? And he says, I mean, they're like two little giddy kids, right? They run in all excited, like, we need your staff weapon, you know? And he's all like, your world is a strange place. And, you know, and they're like, so is yours. And, okay, now let's go, let's go. I I love that. (laughs) I I love, I love, uh. I love his is uh, Daniel Jackson, where he's just literally like, "So is yours? Why are yeah. you asking? Are you saying yeah. this?" Well, whatever, dude. Yeah. But then they were like so excited, like little kids, and I think that that Sam Carter for me is a nice counterbalance to the soldier fighting. You know, the one we've seen a bunch, right? And then mm-hmm. this episode, she got to be the. I'm a scientist and I'm all excited and the geeky Daniel scientist. Jackson and I yep. are going to go do all the things, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was kind of a. I don't know. They just made me smile because they're they're just like little kids and they're and then they're right. watching videos, yeah. you know, of Earth watching TV. I guess it was, yeah. And we do get a, a the follow up to that when a, when Tilk has to go out of Cheyenne Mountain and he's taking the staff with him, yeah. and they're like, "Do you need that?" And he's like, "I have seen your world. I will need it." <laughs> yeah. Although they they made a mistake there. They made a big mistake. Where's General Hammond from? Texas. 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 What does the hat say that he hands him? Chicago. 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 No oh, yeah. self-respecting Texan would <laughs> hand someone a Chicago hat. It would be a Texan. Isn't that right, Lisa? <laughs> that is so true. Those of us in Texas don't acknowledge other states. 
So yeah, yeah, it, it, it would be a, you know it would be a don't mess with Texas hat or something, not a Chicago hat. It'd be a Bucky's. Come on, yeah, there you go. That's a gas station. Yeah, a ga- gas station. No, I, I've seen Walmart smaller than Bucky's. Exactly. <laughs> it's a gas station Texas size. Yeah. No, I just got yeah, a kick out of that when I saw the hat. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. He, he, of course, again, this is early on. They haven't really developed that he is. Hammett is a Texan, Texas, you know, Texas yeah. Texan. I mean, he's he's real Texan. They haven't quite developed that yet because I'm sure if they had done it later seasons, yeah, it would have definitely been a, if nothing else, just a, a you know, hat with the Texas outline right. on, you know, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, Til- Tilk is definitely at his most Mr. Spock in this episode, too. It's like mm-hmm. highly illogical, you know, Yeah. <laughs> in, in Star Trek four yeah. where Spock has to wear the beanie and Tilk gets handed the hat. And yeah, he gets handed a <laughs> yeah. lot of hats. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> but it's kind of fun because, it, again, it shows you we're going to get a lot more of, of Tilk kind of understanding the world and Earth and, you know, all of our strange customs. And this was just mm-hmm. his first first time, right? Out of Cheyenne Mountain. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was the point earlier on in the in the episode where Crystal Jack was leaving and Tilk's like, yeah, you're going to show me your world. I would like to go now. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, later. I, I, one thing I kind of got a kick out of or just kind of memories was, you know, they're wearing the, the full chem suit. And of course, that's nuclear, biological and uh, uh, chemical suits, you know, the, the, the big jacket, suits. the big heavy jackets mm-hmm. with charcoal lining on them and the uh the gas mask and the hoodie and everything and it's about the only time i've ever been claustrophobic was wearing that stuff in training oh that's it awful fun it, it's it is very uncomfortable but it was kind of a flashback it's like oh yeah i remember having to wear that stuff once and that part was good the 2319 in the in the hospital there oh yeah <laughs> fans of monsters incorporated <laughs> <Yes>. yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I want to know. Uh, I feel like Jack, there's gonna there needs to be some repercussions uh, for that leak of highly classified information that Jack seemed pretty cavalier about. Oh, I'm sure there's she was sworn she was read in or something, you know. Yeah, probably had to sign the same document I did. You know, if you tell anyone in the next 75 years or before you die, you go to jail for whatever is left of your life, type of deal. You know, <laughs> or maybe that's why we never see her again. She's in some black site or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice. So she's the first of many civilians who hear the word Stargate. That's right? true. And don't don't know what it is, doesn't doesn't believe it, has no clue, mm. thinks it's just another excuse for him to get out of talking about his feelings. Yep. They can just uh feed her enough disinformation to make her think they're just talking about the Project Stargate from the nineteen seventies. There you the, go. Yeah, uh, the remote viewing thing that the US government did. Oh, oh oh don't worry. They they get into the uh alternate uh explanation or not or not the uh, disinformation campaign that happens to look like a tv show gets mm-hmm. we, we get that going on later too in, in yeah. stargate oh that's fun. <laughs> that's a good one yeah i was gonna say that yeah so okay a little nod to shippers for jack and sam there's a little mm-hmm. nod in this episode so obviously sarah o'neill looks a heck of a lot like sam carter haircut mm. now granted that was a stylish haircut in the late 90s not me but other women so she's got the same haircut right and then when we first when crystal jack first sees her what is she doing she's under the hood of her car messing yep. with it right and i believe the first time that jack invites sam to go somewhere what is she doing she's messing with her motorcycle oh that's right she's got it torn mm. apart on her on her uh 
the floor of her lab or whatever you call it. So I just saw that and I thought, you know, never hmm. caught that before, but I thought that was interesting. So for all those who, who shipped Jack and Sam for however many years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> very popular. I admittedly, I, I didn't popular. notice the didn't notice that connection, but, uh, I was just looking at the car because that was a pretty nice looking Mustang. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> all the guys are like, "Oh, sweet car!" <laughs> oh, and I'm like, "He has a type." <laughs> yeah, and I'd I'd be remiss in uh, in uh, if we didn't mention that if you want to learn more about the CIA's uh, Project Stargate, um, oh, yes. the remote viewing project, you can check out an episode of Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. It's uh, episode one zero two one zero two. And uh, it's a very good episode if you ever yes. wanted to learn about the real uh, Project Stargate. Real, quote unquote. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, and I think that that's probably the most disappointing aspect of this episode was having having Sarah and Crystal Jack process through this, but not really use that as an opportunity to bring them back together. Because Jack O'Neill doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's just going to like ditch his wife. Like It, it makes sense that he would have they would have the struggles after their son dies, but having him just kind of, okay, I'm going to go off now, even though it seems like we've both come to some sort of closure. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't like that part. Well, and you can, there is one thing they did do at the end where real Jack, you know, shows that he still has very much feelings for her. You can see that in when right. they, when he walks in the hospital there and everything, um, they still has very real feelings for her, but that's as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, again, that's something they could have developed, you know, and they even he even has a line about there's much we need to talk about. We just can't do it right now because, you know, Crystal Jack is about to turn into a nuclear bomb here in this hospital in the next five minutes. And I guess they were yeah. probably from a writing perspective, they were they were leaving it open ended so they could either do that in the future, depending on how they took the character or, you know, pair him up mm-hmm. with someone else or whatever they wanted to do. And they dropped mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it showed a real a real you know, of people who've, who've lost a child, I mean, it's, it's, there's a high rate of divorce for people who've mm-hmm. lost a child. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they kind of address, I mean, it showed that he couldn't process his emotions the way she, they couldn't grieve together, right? He shut down. She wanted to grieve with him. I mean, from, from just knowing people, I think that that's a very realistic portrayal of kind of what happens. And, you know, I think they, they respected it in that way and mm-hmm. didn't try to gloss over, oh, it's all fine now. I'm sure it's a very real and horrible thing to to deal with and get through and hopefully come through with your marriage still intact. And I think is crystal Jack, the only time in the entire show where we see Jack O'Neill cry, or I could be mistaken about that, but I think it may be the only, it might be, I can't, I'm not really sure. Most of us guys, we don't notice things like that. Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't remember him ever crying besides that. So I might agree with you, Victor, but I, Plenty, plenty of plenty of smart aleck comments, plenty of times yeah. where you can tell he's mad, mm-hmm. but not crying. No, I can't remember that for sure. Well, and even if I could remember, if I said, it would probably spoil something for somebody. So I can think of one instance that might have happened, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there, that's in a trivia <laughs> online somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was when the ship named after him got destroyed, right? So, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> make those guys cry. Yeah. <laughs> so, this this episode had a couple other firsts. Ready? So, the first time aliens escape the Cheyenne Mountain, mm-hmm. right? Alien entity mm-hmm. gets out. Uh, and the first time we have a major character come back through the Stargate who looks like our major character who mm-hmm. actually isn't our character. 
Yep. So both of those things get replayed many, many times. Yeah, there's 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 lots of duplicates of SG one throughout. <laughs> you got you got to have that. That's just a staple of sci-fi. <laughs> oh yeah, because you're watching him come through, and he obviously looks stiff and odd, and and no one, right? No one's watching him going, huh? Wonder what's up with him, right? Yeah. I mean, after you had Kowalski with a ghoul in his head and all that, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, you're good, you're weird, you don't know where the locker room is, whatever, it's fine course when real jack comes back through he's acting just like he would and he's getting all angry when they're like what what's going on and then he's yep. he's in the containment chamber and they're watching the video and he says let me put this nicely get me the heck out of here and yeah. hammond <laughs> says if that's not jack o'neill i don't know who is yeah <laughs> there, there there is a glitch though when um real jack is dialing back in to come back in you know the stargate spinning and the the chevrons are locking and Hammond issues the command to to shut down the uh, iris, the locked mm-hmm. iris, and they said they can't because he used a transmitter, he used the the remote. The wormhole's not established yet. The remote won't reach from you know millions and billions of mile light years away, however far it is. Oh, really? I didn't catch that. Yeah, yes. so you could hear it, you know, either. rotating, and it's that's a goof. And he, and he orders it. We can't do it because it's remote. And then you have the, the swoosh and he comes through. But hang on. So in later, every team has their own code, right? Mm-hmm. So in this I episode, think that- wouldn't it have been that's SG-1's code? They're already here. So why would we open the iris? Well, but the, the idea is, what they're, what they're saying, though, is that the, the remote locked out the iris is what they're and that's something that, they, that, you know, that's something that in the series they go back and forth on that either they get the code in the open iris or the remote unlocks the iris so they can mm-hmm. come through and they don't have to. Yeah, I know what you're, I know what you're, you're saying, though, because, yeah, because usually when we think of it, it's, oh, there's a code coming through. Oh, it's SG-1's code. Open mm-hmm. the iris. Right. But then there are times like this where, well, we got the remote codes, the iris opened like a garage door opener, you know? You, yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe they refine it later. Yeah. But they definitely couldn't have sent the code if the wormhole wasn't there. Yeah. I was going to say, but the wormhole hadn't established yet. So it's, it's kind of, I just kind of happened to notice that because you can hear the, the, the Stargate running in the background as they're, as he's doing this call. And it's just like, wait a second, what? Yeah. <laughs> there, there was a lot of weird science in this episode, uh, not just Stargate science, but yeah, yeah the line, uh, you know, EM energy and the crystal cloned us electronically gets uttered by uh, Sam Carter. And that's complete gobbledygook. I did also appreciate the the very uh, 90s uh, effect of their face in the crystal. Yes, uh, like it's like the abyss, but but not, but cheaper. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say the first couple times I saw this episode, I really struggled to even realize that was Carter's voice. Like yeah. it, it, none of it really it, to well, see her face in there or to hear her voice. It, that that just didn't work for me. And then the, the second time the crystal speaks, where it's Carter, I did recognize her voice then. But I'm al- I'm always bad whenever they, you know, especially of course it depends on the special effects. But I'm always bad recognizing faces when it's, they do something like that. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's something like this or where it's supposed to be a, a clone or something like that. If it's not the actual actor playing it, if it's if it's like a mask or something like that, I'm always bad about recognizing faces like that. So yeah, it it. I didn't really recognize it was her, but like I said, the second time she spoke, the crystal spoke that, okay, yeah, this is definitely 
this is definitely Amanda Tapping voicing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I had to pay attention. And they also didn't really make clear with the crystals whether they were some sort of like linked organism where it was kind of one being or if they were each each like crystal was its own discrete being. It seemed like they kind of went back and forth on that. Yeah, I think they're their own discrete being. I don't know if when Crystal Charlie goes through the gate, does he just like instantly turn back into a crystal or or his energy goes back to his crystal or. Yeah. And I was trying to, they, they set a name for the race of the crystals. And I, oh, they call themselves the unity. Unity. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if like that meant that they were united or yeah, kind of like, kind of like a shared consciousness type of deal, or if they were just that, you know, they were united unit, you know, unity, but they were individuals or kind of how that worked. I don't know if it really ever explores that. Or maybe yeah. that's just the software they use to animate them. Yeah, <laughs> that did not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh that's good. Yeah, <laughs> where they've got like a big bowl with names in it, and they're like, mm, "Yeah, let's, let's pick this one today." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, Unity is a software programming engine. Oh. I didn't know yeah, that. Graphics and games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, and I I was able to find this a song for this episode too. Something that was recorded uh, when it originally aired. It's actually one of my favorite bands, so I was surprised that I um, missed this one when it was originally re- released. But a quirky pop duo, um, you know, maybe their Tokra released uh, a song about this episode. Huh. So hopefully we can uh, put a link in the in the show notes to that. But from Brooklyn, I, I love all their stuff. So nice. Uh, I'm I'm not surprised you haven't heard of them, but you know, <laughs> you, you knew them before they were cool, except for they never became cool. Yeah, yeah, they they kind of disappeared right after that song was released. <laughs> nice. They return to their uh, crystal form. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> their energy exploded or whatever. I hate it when that happens. Yep. All right. Well, uh, Father Corey, did you have anything else to add? Nothing else here. Lisa? Good. Victor, what about you? Actually, you guys have won me over. I think I kind of appreciate <laughs> this this episode now. It really taught me that my pain is from an empty place in my heart. So I, I, I think... <laughs> I thank it for that. Before I go, um, and I'll drop this link in the show notes, but they have just announced that there's going to be a new Stargate uh, role-play game um, called Stargate Timekeepers. There's not too much about it now, um, just an announcement and a short teaser trailer, but apparently it's going to pick up after the events of the seventh season of SG-1, and it's going to be like a role-play game where you can go to different planets through the Stargate and complete missions. So we'll... They don't have an announce, uh, announcement date for it yet, but it looks like it could be fun. So we'll see See what sounds, happens with that. Sounds a lot better than all the Stargate gatekeepers you find online. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah I was, I was kind of looking at the, the company that's doing it, and it, they, they very much focus on the, like, the turn-based strategy and things like that. So it sounds like it would be something like that, which could be, kind of, could be actually kind of interesting in the Stargate universe. That could actually mm-hmm. be an interesting way to do it. There had been... At one point, there was a development of a, you know, like a first-person MMORP, massive multiplayer online role-playing game. I can't do the, <laughs> I can't do the acronym. It's easier to say the whole thing. But that died off very quickly. There have been other games that have tried to develop, and those died off fairly quickly. So it sounds like, but because this one's using, probably, I'm guessing, going to be using their existing engine. Mm. This will probably have a better chance of actually surviving and actually coming to market. 
Right. Um, and it's a company that's done other other things. They've done a Battlestar Galactica one. They've done a they've got a Warhammer four thousand game that's out there that seems to be doing very well. So hopefully they'll actually get this accomplished and we'll get to play some something some game in the Stargate universe anyways. Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely a universe that is ripe for a game. Mm-hmm. It gives you a, a lot to build on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, before we go, I'd like to uh, take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Stargate, including Jared H., Richard V., Janelle K., Jerry Ann H., and KDT. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 6686. Send StarQuest to 6686. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, The Knox. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thanks, Jack. Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. And once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Yes,